It's Wednesday, January 13th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, it's Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We've got holiday retail numbers starting to come out. We've got some housing news. We're going to start with some surprising news from Intel. CEO Bob Swan is stepping down in mid-February. In June of 2018, he was appointed interim CEO of Intel. In late January of 2019, the interim tag was removed. But suffice to say, Swan has faced a number of challenges over the ensuing two years, and he is on his way out. Moving into the corner office is Pat Gelsinger, who is currently the CEO of VMware. And for anyone wondering what the investing world thinks of all of these moves, shares of VMware down 6% this morning and shares of Intel up 8%. Yeah, so you've got Gelsinger, who previously uh, had been at Intel uh, as the chief technology officer. And of course, Swan came up and was promoted to interim and then permanent CEO, having been the CFO. So I think one of the uh, takeaways that one can take here is that this is perceived to be a technology issue, uh, and uh, the solution comes into uh, comes from technology, uh, not from financial expertise. Uh, I don't think there's any uh, accusations that, that Swan wasn't getting the job done. From you know the numbers point, it's they are falling behind uh, on the technology, and it's time to make a change. Yeah, I mean, you think about everything that's happened with them over the last couple of years. Uh, we've talked on this show about AMD continuing to eat into Intel's market share. Um, you know, Apple, the the longtime partnership that Intel had with Apple uh, ended after 15 years. So I I understand why shares of Intel would be up on Bob Swan leaving. That said, I, do do you think there's maybe a little like when you take these two together, when you take the let's just call it fifteen percent difference between the rise in Intel and the drop in VMware, do you think it's a little overstated? And the reason I ask that is because Gelsinger was CEO of VMware for eight plus years. The stock up about 30% over the entire, let's call it eight and a quarter span of his tenure as CEO. So it's not like VMware shares were setting the world on fire under the tenure of, of Pat Gelsinger. Yeah, I don't know that uh, the world is looking at, at VMware and saying, how will they ever replicate uh, what they've been able to accomplish with, with anybody else in that role? Uh, but it may be, uh, look, he's, he's a valued commodity, valued enough that Intel, which uh, despite going, not, not going nowhere as a stock for 20 years, but going down and then most of the way back up. But that's that's what you're talking about, 20 years of long-term buy and hold nothingness if you got in sort of at the top back in uh, 2000. And I, I think that it's a fair question to ask as to whether VMware is losing nearly as much as Intel is hopefully gaining here. Uh, I think that a change is being made at all is going to be maybe the lion's share of the stock movement today on Intel, if I had to just 
wildly guess uh, through the market's actions. You've got Third Point having been pushing for changes uh, uh, from Intel. Intel says it's got nothing to do with that, nothing to do with you know the pressure we've been getting from Third Point. This is this is all independent of of um, that pressure. Uh, I don't think that's the case, and I think that uh, any change is going to going to explain a, a bump in Intel at this point. All right, let's move on to housing. KB Homes' fourth quarter profits were solidly higher than expected, and shares of KB Home up about 7% this morning. I'm assuming part of the rise that we're seeing is not just they ended the fiscal year on a positive note, but also their outlook for 2021 was was pretty positive as well. Yeah, you know, if you go back a year, uh, stock was $35 and change. It's $35 and change today, uh, moving up with uh, today's news. So, uh, in a, from a stock perspective, treading water, but the future does look a little brighter than the past. The, as good as the fourth quarter numbers uh, were in comparison to what expectations were, uh, they're still down from a year ago, unsurprisingly. You know, things are still moving slower uh, than than a year ago when there was no pandemic to deal with. Uh, but orders are up, and when you've got orders at the highest level, as KB Homes just announced since 2005, and throw a red flag on that year if you're thinking about a home builder. Uh, but hey, that's good. Uh, the, these these are the highest fourth quarter orders. Uh, that that that's not translating into sales yet, but that is the best indicator of where the business is going. When you look at housing and all of the different ways to invest in housing, where do the home builders rank on that list in terms of attractiveness for you? I mean, I think the home builders rank as the most cyclical element of it. So, if you feel that you're somebody that can time cycles well, Boy, you can make a lot of money on home builders um, by buying at the bottom and, and selling at the top, uh, of which there will continue to be tops and bottoms. So, for a long-term buy and hold investor, I would put homes, home builders, as pretty far down in my uh, interest pool. Uh, but if you know, if, if you like the the market action of cyclical companies and think that you've got insight on when the cycles turn. Uh, this is something that either is going to make you some money or cost you some money, uh, depending on whether you're right or wrong. I mentioned on yesterday's show, uh, this is the time of year where we start to get, uh, almost on a daily basis, clues as to how the holiday retail season went, and we got some of that this morning. Target said that same-store sales for the holiday were up 17% compared to the previous year. Definitely not the same story for Urban Outfitters. Uh, shares of Urban Outfitters falling as their holiday comps were down nearly ten percent. Yeah, you gonna uh, take a shot at my beloved hometown there? No, no. I I, I really enjoy Philadelphia, and I, I don't. Yeah, no. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tag Philly with with uh, the fact that that's where Urban Outfitters is based. I, I think of Philly much more highly than that. Well, thank you, thank you for that. Because uh, I don't think highly of Urban Outfitters. <laughs> what about free people? What do you think about free people? I always forget that free people is a thing. 
Okay, well, now's your day to remember the Free People is a thing because it's the CEO of the Free People uh, brand. So Urban Outfitters, the holding company, has got Urban Outfitters, it's got Anthropology, it's got Free People. Free People uh, is doing the best right now of those three, and there's always a uh, challenge in the fashion world of, of being um, on the right trends, and Free People of the three is, is the one getting the job done the best comps were up one percent um and so that uh not that this is a one quarter thing but the the ceo of of free people is going to keep doing that and is now the the head of urban outfitters uh and the the urban outfitters brand itself was down eight percent and anthropology down 12 percent over the same time period so you can see where that would give a good uh interview for the job moment uh, for uh, for the Free People CEO, and maybe, hey, just getting the fashion right is a huge part of this job. And they're starting with uh, somebody who is getting the fashion right at the moment. That's great, but uh, keeping in mind that uh, all things being equal, I think new CEOs should get a couple of years before they start to get judged too harshly. I don't think all things are equal in the case of a business like Urban Outfitters. I think this new CEO has about 12 months to figure out a direction and either prove, yeah, the magic I've been working at Free People, I can make that work throughout the other brands, or they need to start pulling some other financial levers, including and maybe especially selling off some of the other brands. Yeah, possibly. I mean, uh, between the challenges that some of these brands are going to have, given uh, what percentage of their traffic comes from malls, how they're doing on the online sales, look, their their quarter was not good. And that is not the case for everybody out in retail. And they are, uh, of course, they have uh, online sales, but that wasn't enough to make up for all the sales that were lost uh, in the malls and you know in stores outside of malls over the fourth quarter. I don't know that anybody is going to uh, lose their job over getting this last quarter wrong, uh, given the challenges. But you know, the retail is always challenging. Uh, probably never been more challenging than it is in this moment. And I don't know that Urban Outfitters deserves a whole lot of uh, leeway, uh, given what it has been mostly failing to do over the last you know, better part of a decade. Well, let's go back to Target, because Target's earnings report is about six weeks away from being public. So, for anyone wondering, well, why isn't the stock moving? I mean, the you know, holiday same store sales up seventeen percent. That's fantastic. I'll just remind those people that uh, while the stock is basically flat today, over the last twelve months, it's up sixty percent. So uh, it wasn't like this was a uh, you know a beaten down stock by any sense. But I don't know. I mean, you you look at those numbers and. If they can crank out another six weeks, like the last six weeks, um, that earnings report in early March is going to be something to see. Uh, yeah, well, so for November, December, the comparable sales were up 17%. That was 4% uh, in uh, comp stores and then 102% in digital sales. 
So you got two stories going on here, and and the mix of them is good, but uh, it's obviously mostly uh, a digital sales growth story. And so to the extent that the market may not be throwing enough celebration on today's news, I think it's a reflection of the challenges of, uh, you know, keeping up numbers that good when the digital sales isn't growing as fast as it as it has been. And that was a, a slowdown, even though 102% was a little slowdown from the quarter before. So, you know, it's, uh, it's a great story. The stock is reflecting uh, all-time highs and, you know, it's, it's all good. And they've got to keep producing pretty good numbers to justify where the stock is right now. Let me ask a question, and this is a serious question. What's more impressive, the fact that their e-commerce sales doubled compared to a year prior for the holiday uh, section of time that we're talking about, or the fact that during a pandemic, in-store, same-store sales were up 4%? I'm going to take the obvious answer instead of treating this like a trick question. It's not, the more it's impressive not a trick one, question. The more impressive one is the 102% growth part. That's more impressive than the 4% growth part. During a That's pandemic? my answer. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to keep defending. 102% growth is more impressive than 4% growth. And you can keep pushing back on that, but I'm going to win. I'll, I'll just point out that the, uh, the anyone who owns shares of Urban Outfitters now has their face and hands pressed up against the glass, staring longingly at the in-store comps being up 4% because they would love to be talking about that today <laughs> instead of their comps being down nearly 10% across the board. Well, free people is up 1%. So, you know, uh, no, they're, they're both impressive. And of course, Target is one of the stores, uh, which is not going to be hit as hard when people are afraid of going to a store because they can go uh, Target one stop, get some of their groceries, get some of their uh, necessities and and clothes, whatever they can do a lot um, in one store, and they can also just order online and pick up at the store. So uh, Target's got, you know, the deliveries are up, the buy online, pick up at stores way up, and um, they've had the chance to be in the right place at this time by having made the investments into those businesses uh, over the over the previous years. So you know, Target, Walmart, they're both celebrating that success these days, and um, you know, Urban Outfitters is in a much, much, much weaker position uh, because it's uh, largely things, uh, fashion, retail, where the customer is is looking to for more of an in-store experience. Then you know, I don't know uh, that the Target in-store experience is uh, the reason that Target is is so successful. Bill Barker, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.